Hello everyone and welcome to Box Office Receipts. I am your host Tyler Callahan and unlike last week, we had a normal, busy episode with loads to talk about. We got the latest numbers, schedule changes, new trailers, and more. Let's start with the numbers. Opening in first place with 49.4 million is Universal's Halloween Kills. Dropping to second place is No Time to Die with 23.9 million for a total of 99 million. Third place was Venom Let There Be Carnage with 16.5 million for a total of 168 million. Fourth place was The Addams Family 2 with 7 million for a total of 42.1 million. Finally, in fifth place was The Last Duel, which opened with 4.76 million. Yikes. Alright, let's start from the top. It looks like Universal's play for a dual release in theaters and on Peacock worked for them. The horror film was so close to having a $50 million opening weekend. And it would have been the third straight movie to do that this month. Now, you could say this worked out because no one actually paid for Peacock to watch it, and it went to theaters instead, and that may be true. We won't know, unless they mention, oh, Halloween Kills was the reason for a boost in paid subscribers. Now, critically, this film is doing terribly but the audience score for it is on par with the last Halloween film. If there is one thing we know about horror films is that they are almost critic-proof, so as long as word of mouth for the film is, oh, there are some good kills in it, it's worth a watch, it will hold its own at the box office. What also helps is that this is the main horror movie in theaters for a while. Next weekend is Dune, and two weeks later is Eternals. Personally, I think it can still make over 100 million domestic, which would be good. No Time to Die had a decent drop of around 56% and just missed making the 100 million milestone this weekend. Right now, it looks like it'll take some time, but it can still finish domestically around 150 million. Venom continues to march toward 200 million, and it's getting close as it only has less than three weeks until Eternals comes out, and that will kill whatever momentum it has left. Now let's talk about the other film that opened this weekend, and that is The Last Duel. The Ridley Scott medieval epic bombed pretty hard, a budget of 100 million and opening to less than 5 million. Damn. It's a shame though, because the movie's getting great reviews and seems to have good word of mouth as well. So why did it bomb? Well, I think the key reason is once again, uh, this, like No Time to Die, has been geared more toward an older audience that has yet to come out in force. And unlike the last bomb film, it's not a necessary watch. Also, I think once people did some research into the film, uh, they would see the film is about a woman being raped. Uh, I don't know how interested they would still be in going after finding out about it. So unless this just takes over and dominates Europe somehow, and with no China release incoming, uh, we're looking at less than 100 million worldwide when it finishes its run. This is, again, a real shame, as this is one of the films approved under the Fox studio after Disney finished its takeover. And this is the result. I think it'll be a while before they approve something like this again. Taking a look at China, the Battle of Lake Changjin continues to dominate, making 73 million for a total now of 769 million in total. This film has now passed F9 to become the second biggest movie of the year worldwide, only behind Hi Mom, which at this rate could pass it as soon as next weekend. Also looking at the schedule for the rest of the year, the only movie with a chance to top it and take first place is Spider-Man No Way Home. Second place again was My Country, My Parents with 14.6 million, 
for a total of 210 million. In third place was a new film, The Curse of Tonorat, which opened to 2.3 million. Fourth place was Saturday Fiction, which opened with just under 2.3 million and actually premiered in the Beijing Film Festival a few weeks ago. Finally, in fifth place was another film called Knock Knock with a 1.2 million dollar opening. So once again, a very top-heavy week with a bunch of new releases not getting the public's interest. Taking a look at numbers worldwide, we actually go to Venom Let There Be Carnage first, as it continues its international rollout. Thanks to its release in now 44 markets, it has made $62.3 million over the weekend for a worldwide total of $283.7 million. If it holds well and has a decent China release in a few weeks, which it should, Venom is looking at around 500 to 600 million, at least in total, when it finishes this. No Time to Die made another 54 million for a worldwide total of 447.5 million. It also has a China release coming up, and if it does well, should finish closer to 700 million. Halloween Kills did open up in a few international markets and made 5.5 million for a worldwide opening weekend of 54.9 million. The Last Duel also opened in some markets and made 4.2 million for a worldwide opening weekend of $9 million. Maybe the star power of Matt Damon and Ben Affleck will help the film more overseas? Dune made $8.5 million for a worldwide total of $129.3 million. With the weaker pre-sale numbers in China and the dual release with HBO Max in the United States, it's looking like Dune will top out closer to $300 million, which is a shame. Finally, Shang-Chi is at $414.3 million worldwide. So with the numbers wrapped up, let's get to the news, and the biggest news in Hollywood right now is that a strike might have just been avoided. The IATSE and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers have reached a tentative agreement on a new three-year deal. Uh, as I mentioned on the last week's episode, they were getting ready to strike. If there was no agreement made by last Monday, they were going to strike. And this was done, I believe, Sunday night. Now, this does not mean the possibility of a strike is over. Now, over the next few weeks, the finer details will be ironed out and then presented to the union members to vote on. It does need 51% approval to be agreed upon, finalized, and move forward. So what do we know about the deal? Well, we know a few things. The wage increase is 3% for each year compounded. For the health and pension plans, the employers, aka the studios, will overall pay an additional $370 million in new money over the next three years and no reduction of coverage or benefits. For sick leave, all U.S. workers will be entitled to the same sick leave as workers in California. Now let's talk about the turnaround times, which are have been a big issue with union members. Under this deal, workers will get 54 hours of rest if they work 5 days straight, and 32 hours of rest if they work 6 days. Now, I would assume that is not 6 days straight because that would not make sense how you would work more days straight and get less rest time. The 8-hour turnaround time that is currently in place for productions will now be increased to 10 hours. For the meal penalty issue, the change is after four meal penalties, the rate for workers goes up to $25 per half hour. So basically, studios can go ahead and do a meal penalty if they want. They just have to open up their checkbooks and pay for the fines. For reference, this rate is an 85% penalty increase when filming inside a studio and a 100% increase when filming outside the studio. Finally, the last big section of the contract that was heavily debated was streaming. For all streaming productions, all workers will receive a pay increase, with some productions having to pay 30% more. Not clear on what counts for that, but this also includes streaming miniseries and low-budget productions. So for example, Netflix greenlit this brand new episodic show. 
uh, they can't decide, oh, well, now it's going to be a low-budget production so we can pay the workers less because they would still have to pay them a similar rate. It wouldn't matter. Overall, the new contract looks like a compromise. Yes, the union and its workers get a lot of what they were asking for, better pay and better rest periods, but not as good as they had hoped. Some union members have already voiced their displeasure of the contract online, but we'll have to wait and see, come voting time, if they are a vocal minority or the majority. But at least for now, Hollywood continues moving forward with production. Moving on from the strike, we got other news as well. The biggest is Disney uh, moving a lot of the Marvel films down the road a bit, as well as Indiana Jones. I'll go through these in order since it'll be easier to understand. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness moves from March to May 6, 2022. This will now be the film that kicks off the summer movie season. This pushes back Thor Love and Thunder, which moves to July 8th. Since that was moved to July, Black Panther Wakanda Forever moves out of next summer into November 11th. The Marvels moves from next November to February 17th, 2023, and that will push back Ant-Man Quantumania to July 28th, 2023. For unannounced Marvel films, there was only one set for October 6th, 2023, and that has been removed from the schedule, and the only Marvel film that did not get a delay was Guardians 3, still set for a May 2023 release. For Indiana Jones, we did have a feeling that it wouldn't move out of its current release date due to Black Adam, and it did. A whole year. That's right, and now it comes out June 30th, 2023. So, about 11 months. Now for the Marvel delays, the reported reason is not that Disney's not happy with the current box office performance, but more to do so with production issues that have caused a cascading effect of delays. So if you're a theater owner, you can breathe, since this does not signal a new wave of delays. Also in Disney news, we have another actor signing on to the Haunted Mansion film, and that is Danny DeVito. The Hollywood Reporter has the exclusive on this. He will play the role of a smug professor in the film. Since I would think most of the film takes place in the mansion itself, he likely will not have a big role. The film already stars Owen Wilson, Lakeith Stanfield, and Rosario Dawson. I always liked me some more Danny DeVito, so now I'm actually looking forward to the film a bit more. Disney is not the only one moving films around. Paramount has moved up another one of theirs, The Lost City of D, starring Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock, has been moved from April 15th to March 25th, 2022. This is a smart move from the studio as it moves it out of the same weekend as the next Fantastic Beast movie and into a quiet weekend. In an interesting story from Lionsgate, or more specifically The Expendables 4, Sylvester Stallone announced on Instagram that he has already wrapped up filming his scenes for the film and talked about how he is ready to move on and hand the franchise to Jason Statham. If you've listened to the podcast, you know the trades have been reporting this is the point of the movie. It's to hand off the franchise to Statham. But I find it weird that Stallone is openly talking about it. Makes me think part of the marketing will be like a one last ride with Stallone or something similar. Basically, you'll want to see the film because it's the last time Stallone does a big action film and you need to see it on a big screen. Something to pay attention to when they do start marketing the film. Got a quick update on Nolan's next film, Oppenheimer. Thanks to Deadline, who is reporting that Emily Blunt will be joining the cast, she will be playing Robert Oppenheimer's wife. As for Oppenheimer himself, he'll be played by Killian Murphy. So far, Nolan is getting himself a solid cast, but to be fair, I feel he's always been able to get a great cast when he wants to. Like, I can't think of a film he made where the cast was weak. Finally, for In the Pipeline, we got some new footage of the upcoming DC Films, thanks to DC Fandom. I gotta say, the event was not as good as last year, and it felt like it was thrown together more than an actual event. As for the footage we saw, we got a new full trailer for the Batman, which looks amazing. 
a teaser for The Flash, Black Adam, as well as behind-the-scenes look at Shazam! Fury of the Gods. I liked most of what I saw except for Black Adam, which, its teaser in the cave reminded me of The Mummy with Tom Cruise, which is not a good thing. For VOD Premium, all we got is the latest subscriber numbers from two companies, thanks to quarterly earnings reports. First up is HBO Max, thanks to AT&T's report, and it was not good. So for HBO and HBO Max together, since they never want to differentiate it, the subscription numbers globally is now at 69.4 million, up from 67.5 million from the last quarter. You might think, wow, only 2 million subscribers in 3 months? Yes, but that is only due to the, the domestic numbers. Domestic numbers fell from 47 million to 45.2 million. So for this quarter, it was the international markets carrying the growth. Now the drop domestically was not surprising. They have told investors this could happen, and this was due to them leaving the Amazon channel service. The reason they left was due to data. See, if streaming service is an Amazon channel, it does provide customers with easy access to sign up and can help their subscription numbers. However, the downside is Amazon basically keeps all the data about the users, what they watch, how much of it, etc. In the streaming business, that is very important. So this previous quarter, HBO was pulled from it, and now the only way to get it is via its own app, where they can see everything. I would not be surprised if they hold another sale over the holidays to get another boost in subscribers to make up for this. Lastly, Netflix had a better than expected quarter, adding 4.38 million subscribers to now a worldwide total of 214 million. Part of this is thanks to the new hit show Squid Game, which is now the biggest original show Netflix has. It recently beat out Bridgerton for that title. Looking toward the holiday season, Netflix is expected to gain over another 8 million subscribers, in part thanks to the loads of content coming out soon. I don't think they are wrong about that, as for movies, they have a diverse lineup of Oscar contenders like The Power of the Dog to blockbusters like Red Notice. And that'll be it for this week's episode of Box Office Receipts. Question for the episode is, what is your preferred streaming service? With so many out there now, do you have a favorite? Let me know on Facebook. Link to the pages in the show notes. Thank you for listening. See you next time.